0: Episode 752 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, November 6th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I'm joined today by a special guest. I have Ian Kahn with me from Rotowire and The Athletic. Ian, you may know him as George Washington from AMC's Turn. He's a brilliant actor, but he's now made his mark in the fantasy community with his dynasty writing and rankings at Rotowire, uh, his under-the-radar pod at The Athletic. He also has a political podcast called Guardians of the Republic. He can be found on Twitter at IanCon4. Ian, welcome back. This is your fourth or fifth time. And we're starting to pile them up here on the show. Yeah, man. How are you?
1: Been, I'm good. I'm good. I'm so happy to be uh, talking with you. I've I've been uh, I remember back in the days before I had my own show where I was uh you know the the fourth or fifth wheel whenever you guys needed somebody and I was always it was always fun to to come in and join with you guys, always.
0: It's been great and and we've been looking to do, you know. Just a just a one-on-one here for a while. Yeah. Nothing against the co-hosts. Love them. No, they're there guys. Uh, you know, Jason brought you into the fold. You had spoken with him. You you guys have known each other longer. And so that's how you got kind of onto the show. And then uh, we did one with the four of us, uh, including Justin as well. But now it's just me and you. And we're gonna talk about your new dynasty rankings over at the road Roto- over at Roto-R, both in pitcher list mocks right now that that are going on yeah i know some people are freaking out over the fact that uh, we're in mock this early but hey o- always got to be always got to be on the grind here and we're on separate ones too so i'm eager to find out where yours is how your team's going all that sort of stuff and then like i said we'll get into guardians of the republic your political podcast it's about to enter a very interesting period as uh we're you know literally a year away from uh, from the 2020 election. But uh, let's start with the dynasty rankings. That's where we're yeah, going to yeah. spend a lot of time. Um, I don't play in any traditional, like, just straight-up dynasty leagues. I've been invited to, like, pick up squads, which I politely decline because I want to start from ground zero. Yeah, you do. Uh, you know, I want to be able to make my mark on the team. And main reason is, if I were to pick up a franchise... I do not consider myself a brilliant trader. Um, I actually consider you to be quite a damn good trader. Uh, So I think you'd be equipped to do something like that. Me, I'm not as good at it. So that's usually what you have to do when you're picking up a squad. You're rarely picking up a ready-made, excellent squad. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to jump in from, from uh, from the ground floor here. But let's get into some of these rankings and talk about some things. Some general principle first. As far as drafting your core, obviously, when we see a dynasty draft, if you see like a, you know, four or five round mock or something, or even the first four or five rounds of a real dynasty draft, you definitely see that influx of prospects. But on the other end, is there any sort of age cutoff? Do you have any sort of hard cutoff that you won't draft into your core? You know, is Nelson Cruz just off the board? Do you have any sort of age restriction? Mm -hmm. That you have, you must be this age or under to meet uh, to be on your ball club when it comes to a dynasty core. Talking, say the first, I don't know, eight to ten rounds.
1: Well, yeah, but not not that it's sort of locked in that way. But one of the things that I always do with a startup draft, uh, startup dynasty draft, is I'm never drafting for that year.
0: Uh, That's I'm always, I, that was my next question. Right. So, so fold that in. You're you're not going to try to win. Never, that first year.
1: Never okay. going to try to win the first year. And invariably, what ends up happening is I will take prospects from the jump. Right. I'm going to take okay. young bats, not necessarily prospects. I mean, there was a, a draft I did a number of years ago where it was Yelich was still young in Miami, and I think I grabbed him in like the fourth. I had I uh, grabbed Seager, Corey Seager, back when he was like you know still Corey Seager, the hot prospect. It, yeah. The yeah. hot
0: topic, I should say. So, yeah.
1: It was back when Brian, I, I took Chris Bryant in my first round pick and then Corey Seager with my second round pick. And then I, you know, so the young 23, 24 year old established bats and then, you know, Yelich and, and then just going for prospects because m- what most players tend to do is they're looking to win. They want to put their mark up on the board. They want to fly, fly their flag forever. I kind of come from the Tom Trudeau uh, perspective and Tom. Uh, years and years ago, we Tom and I get on the phone and talk uh, dynasty theory, um, and we're both proponents of this idea that there's really nothing more valuable than young bats, especially when you get to the end of April, beginning of May of the first season, because then what you have is you've got a bunch of teams that did draft the Nelson Cruises or, you know, even uh guys who are a little bit older i gotta go a little bit further down the list to get to them guys like strasburg uh verlander well let's see i wouldn't even be going after verlander
0: yeah i was gonna Uh, bring i was gonna bring him up too because uh you know you may folks may be shocked if you don't play dynasty to realize that justin verlander is at 55
1: yeah yeah that's that's, that's 36 years old yeah and so but but guys like that you know a guy like wit merrifield would be a guy that if a team is saying, you know what, they get to the end of April, they get to the beginning of May, especially in that first year of a dynasty draft, all of a sudden they go, I need to get younger fast. Like I need to break down this team. And what ends up happening is then in at that period of time, you end up being in a buyer's market, like a huge buyer's market, because you've got you know, four or five teams that are already like running out to the front and you've got guys who've got injuries and who are dealing with problems. They're like there's no way I'm going to win this year. Gosh, and I don't like how the team looks going into next year. And you make enough uh, enough of these trades over the course of time. And you can build a really good team. So James Anderson and I uh do uh the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational, we share a team. And that's what we did. We took we ended up taking a couple of pitchers early, which was, you know, in retrospect maybe not our best play. Um in Chris Sale, we took in the second round. Um but what we ended up doing was flipping so many prospects and making an absolutely loaded team, so that by May first, a team that was accumulating zero points in April, then starting May first or May fifteenth, we had a loaded team and we ended the season in second place in the wow. twenty team. And that's and then that puts us in position for the next year and the next year and the next year and the next year. And we were able to hold on to Bo Shett and Royce Lewis, who were two players that James was just like, yeah, no, we're not trading them. Like, you can tell me that we can get this guy, this guy, this guy. He, they're not going anywhere. And one of the reasons why James is so good. But so that's what I try to do. Um, that's what that's what I do in all of my leagues is I try to build upon young bats because that's the the best currency. Can't build on young arms because there's going to be that TJ moment. You know, the, yes. it's going to happen. So you really want to build on the young bats. And and you can see that reflected in my in my rankings. Yes, like, because the top 25 has
0: just two pitchers and the top 50 has just seven um, all told there. So that's definitely the focus there is to get those bats. Yeah. And then once you stockpile that, you're saying not even necessarily keeping all of them. You could be trading them, no. like you said, as Absolutely. early as May of that that first year to, so, you can control how you're competing while still making sure that you have uh, some of those young bats. That makes a lot of sense because I have heard, like, you know, everyone's going to go this way and, and get all these prospects. You go this way and and contend the, the opening year by getting the mayor of fields. Um, you know, even like a Jose Ramirez, who's now 27, is probably down a
1: little bit in the ranking. Not because of his age. I, I just am not sure. I'm just not sure. That's it why. is very difficult to, to yes. rank him mean, in standard redraft, keeper, dynasty, you name it. It is very difficult. I, mean, I remember last year I had him going into the season. He, he was a top three player the year before in 2018. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I'm like, I don't like him. Like, I just See, don't. I don't like I, him.
0: I had that feeling, too. It, this is not a hindsight thing. It's not that I thought he was bad. It's not that I didn't think he should go in the first round. I just didn't agree with him as the consensus number three
1: for Jose Ramirez. That was just the, the I had him at number I eleven. Was, I had him yeah. at number eleven on my dynasty list going into last year, and that even felt a little high to me. I was like, I still don't like him, but I can't reasonably give an explanation as to how he can be lower than this. Like, there's just no evidence that he should be. And, and then the speed he just kept... protected him. I'm sorry be yeah, absolutely protect, protected him. For absolutely. Sure. But, but now, you know, I'm, I don't know where to go with him. I, I'm no. not grabbing him anywhere. If he falls far, even then I feel like third base this year is very deep, you know, really? so I, I'm not, I'm not pushing for Jose Ramirez anywhere. And it's sort of reflected in that in, in this ranking, but yeah, it's all about, for me, it's all about the, especially in a startup, or if you take over a team, Right. You take over a team, which is not a terrible thing to do. I, I'm not saying like my first dynasty league team, I took over a team and ha- I am a trader, right? Like that's my move. I love trading more than almost any other part of the game. Just the interpersonal connections between the players. Like you, you get to know guys, you become fr- better friends with them. If you're on the phone with them, talking with them about making deals, you talk about other stuff too. Um, but exactly. So- Yeah, it's it's a it's part of the enjoyment like, you know, you and I have done that where we're engaged with each other on a deal and we end up talking on the phone for half an hour. About different things. It's 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 very positive. So, so that's where that's what. Uh, but I think you know, like a uh, Alex Cushing just took over a team in the Devil's Rejects League. He's got Jacob DeGrom. He's gonna flip DeGrom for three or four really solid young bats, mm-hmm. young bats. Maybe maybe he'll throw one arm in there. Cushing's Fine. one of the best dynasty players in the game. But yeah, that's what you do. Oh man, Cushing is he's, he, you know,
0: he'll yeah. find somebody who's uh, you know kind of closer to competing move to Grom over there, get some assets and Mm -hmm. and, and be on his way. I totally agree with that.
1: Then, then what you do is you, it's like, it's like the stock market. You let those assets grow and then you can flip somebody like that. I remember uh, about two years, three years ago, I traded Chris Bryant at the deadline for Raphael Devers and like four other guys. Maximum, it was Raphael Devers, Max Kepler, two first round picks and like two other players, right. That I was kind of, and Yasmani Grandal and Chris Taylor at the time. And people call me and be like, are you nuts? How are you giving up Chris Bryant? And I was like, I, I, I don't like the way he plays the game personally. Like he kind of is like, he's a loper, you know, he's good. He's good and all, but you know, I, I want I wanted to diverse, diversify the asset and then use those assets to get better players. And that's just, you know, it's a, it's a constant rollover of. Yeah.
0: You mentioned Tom Trudeau and there's nobody probably more. Uh, interested in, in in the constant flipping of of trading. If you're in the dynasty realm, in the uh, in, in the quote-unquote industry, then you're probably familiar with Tom joan and probably have dealt with him because uh <laughs> I feel like he trades his entire team, you know, once every I don't know month and a half to two months. Not quite, I but he's, he's I know he's, he's
1: he's really good, man. I mean, he's really he's very incredibly patient. It's incredible. Well, that, it,
0: that's something that you definitely need. And you know what? That kind of leads me into my next question here because we're going to start to get into some specific players uh, that are ranked. You still have you – know, you have Vlad Jr. 11th. And too. obviously, being that it is Dynasty, that's going to change the, the landscape first and foremost. We already know that. He did not pan out to the gaudy expectations of last year. But you, like the uh, redraft market, I should point out, are are fully staying in here because in the redraft market he's gone back to his pre-injury price which is about uh a top 25 to 35 ish guy and you've got him 11th here with vlad jr what'd you see in the first year and and what are your 2020 uh expectations where, where are huh. we in the short term with vlad jr
1: interesting um you know i think he really is a great hitter uh, I mean, he he really does have the ball goes off his bat in a very special way. He's 20 years old, he, you know. Everyone he had the weight of the world on his shoulders coming up to Toronto. I, I, I think that there is I think there's huge upside for the next 10 years, and then at the end of those 10 years, there's going to be some serious downside. And it could be I could be overestimating how long his upside is, uh, just because. But even if it's,
0: if it's even if it's six seven years, I mean, it's, you're taking yeah. that in the dynasty
1: league. Yeah, you are, and I think he ends up at first base. Um, and I think he, you know, he has his numbers this past year. were not great. You know, there's, there's, there's no question about it that he, he did not live up to, he didn't come up and do what Juan Soto did in his first year. I I do still, I do still have faith. And also, you know, this, these rankings aren't just like, who's the best necessarily. It's also what their, what their value is and what you can get for them. Right. Yeah. And you can
0: still get a lot from Vlad Jr. in the market. So even if you're not super keen on him, maybe you're a little bit more tepid than or last year, you draft him that early and he becomes somebody that you flip for those three, four guys in mid May when you realize you have maybe a contender on your hands. And you're picking up those assets that we were talking about in that first scenario there. So Vlad Jr.'s trade value is still remarkably high in the market. I mean, there's a
1: team in the Devil's Rejects, which is a league that I, I do with Wilson Carman, just joined recently. Um, and he uh, there's a team called Not Trading Vlad. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, and I have it in one of my uh, home dynasty leagues, not really home. It's an industry dynasty league. Um, the the I offer I made an offer last season of just absurd offer for Vlad and guys like, nope, not trading him. He'll be on my team for the next 15 years. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- there is great value to that. But I also think that he's he's going to be a special bat. I just I, I you know, I have every reason to believe that. Also, yep. his partner, Bichette, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I think. Both of those bats are going to be really special in that lineup for a good long time.
0: And, and Bichette really developed. You know, he was a major prospect without a doubt. This is not something where he popped up. But maybe if you're more of a cursory knowledge of, of prospects, and you're you know you're in on Vlad last year because you you know about him and all that, Bichette was was still a ways off or or seemed to be, um, and yet he emerged last year and really showed that he's right there with Vlad. They, they're really more of a neck-and-neck neck as far as prospects as opposed to Vlad being a cut above. I do think there was a per- perception, particularly in redraft leagues, that Vlad Jr. was a cut above coming into 2019. Mm. And and the only thing that really slowed Bichette down was an injury, or else he'd have been up sooner. And and honestly, might have won Rookie of the Year. He really might have. If, if he doesn't I don't know. You're not now, now. I, <laughs> you're I know. But wasn't it, uh, what was it, uh, a wrist injury or a hand injury? Something that that kept shut down a bit longer. I'm not suggesting that he would have kept the 930 OPS pace. You can't just take a 46-game pace and say that they were going to do that all year. But what if he had? You know, what what if he had, you know, 400-plate appearances of something in the 900s? Alvarez would find himself with a lot more competition for that award. As it stands, he's going to run away with it, as he should. And uh, I'll mention... That uh, you have Bichette twenty third, yeah. and Alvarez is still pretty high. Um, hang on, I lost my place on Alvarez. Is Alvarez 20- is at thirty one. Thirty first.
1: Thirty one. Yeah. What
0: does UT only do, and is there any part of extra effect in in Dynasty? I don't know necessarily why there would be. Just asking um, that that makes you push him down at all as far as the UT only. What where do you stand on Alvarez with regards to that? Because you still have him at thirty one, which is Right in line with his redraft ranking, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it is, which I think is 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 a is a little nuts, actually. I I, I like Jordan a lot. Um, obviously, I mean, who doesn't? It's it's no, it, but his util only does limit him for me. Uh, and I think that that's largely how he's going to play in in baseball. He's I, I remember a couple of years ago, but a year and a half ago, watching uh, some film of him play outfield. And uh, James and I were talking about drafting him. I, I forget what it was. We were, I was doing some scouting on him. And I say that is the worst outfield arm I've ever seen. I mean, in it, like that's like Little League outfield arm. Um, and I called him James. I was like, he's only playing first base. Like he is not going to be able to stick in the outfield. But, you know, if, if he did have out full outfield eligibility, I think that or first base eligibility, even he would yeah, move up just a, a but, position. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much the, the, the tricky thing about Bichette is this he's bad is ridiculous. I, I mean, boy, he can turn on a ball better than almost anybody I've seen of this generation. The issue I'm having and my con- the only concern I have is his speed. He's getting caught stealing a lot last year in the major leagues. Like he was getting, oh, yeah. he was getting caught stealing. Like he was, he stole four bases and got caught four times. That's not a good enough percentage to be able to have the sort of freedom to go for uh 20, you know, 25. No, he,
0: and and here's the
1: thing. I'm a little bit nervous about it because
0: uh, coming up, he really, about uh, Bichette ran a lot. And yep. he had uh, 73 stolen bases in just 1,445 plate appearances in the minors. You're looking at 30 per 600 plate appearances. And then comes up and goes four for eight. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. That's not so good. Uh, obviously, it's terrible. Of course, 50% rate. Small sample, sure. But what I've the first thing that clicked in my head was somebody like Jock Peterson, who when he was coming up, Was right on that same sort of pace, 30 per 600 plate appearances uh, in the minors, came up, and he's never been a runner. Now, I I believe I I did this research um, previously, but I believe that Bo Bichette right now is is faster than Jock Peterson when he was coming up, but not by such an egregious amount that you're like, the speed will take care of it. How concerned are you? Let's shift it real quick over to the redraft where Bichette is being counted on this year as more of a, you know, he could be a 2020 guy. That's the expectation. How concerned are you about those short term stolen bases that if he doesn't have it and and show something right away that Bo Bichette's going to be given a yellow, if not a red light?
1: yeah I think he might I mean I remember there was one play I think it was a Yankee game where he was thrown out by so much and I just went whoa, 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 whoa. he just what? got thrown out by like three feet and Did that was fall? the thing that no he didn't and that's the thing that kind of got me going Ooh, this that, that this might not go the way I thought with Bichette yeah. right um it, it was actually my eyes my eyes try, I, my eyes tell me as much as anything right and but at the same time He's going to improve. I think there are a couple of years where he will. He's going to slow down over time. He'll get bigger. But I think he could hit 35 home runs this year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, the power I think, could I mean, I think he could hit 315. I mean, I think he, he, he'll he still be super valuable. I And, in sure. fact, he fell in one of the, I think, in the pitcher list draft. And I was like, I was like, oh, should I grab him now? I was like, no, I really want a pitcher now. But I, I still think he's going to return tremendous value. That bat is special. It's just special. Yeah, Bichette Bichette can really hit, so even if the speed isn't necessarily at the top of the
0: scale. And again, uh, the the Jock Peterson thing, much faster than than when Jock Peterson came in, uh, as far as sprint speed goes for Bichette versus Peterson. But it is something that I I keep it in the back of my mind because I kept waiting for that Peterson speed to come through. Those stolen bases, they never did. I do still think Bichette's going to be at least a 15 guy this year. But if he's 28 to 30 homers and 15 steals, You're taking that all day long. I want to move over to somebody whose speed is not questioned at all, and that's Aldoberto Mondesi. However, labrum surgery (laughs) plus Mike Matheny, who has Ah. not shown a proclivity to run, his Cardinals teams did not run at all. You still have Mondesi at 24. How worried are you about the shoulder? Shoulder a lot. Okay. Matheny,
1: whatever, man. I mean, you've got you've got you've got the best stolen base guy in the game on your team. I just think Matheny's a terrible manager. So I'm I I I hate to agree with you. I, I don't want to say it. whatever. He, he I don't disagree. Um, but Mondesi, if healthy, is going to run because it makes your team better, and he's gonna you know his success rate is tremendous. Um, it's a huge weapon to have and in our in our game now stolen bases are so depressed that to get a guy who can steal you 65 bases in a full season which may be hard to find a full season out of modesty sure which is is immensely helpful and he's also he's not like a rabbit who's only going to give you that like he'll he'll hit you with a little bit of pop in obp that number he would have to go down right sure He'd have to go down in obp but this isn't this is not an obp list this is an average list uh i'm not worried about i'm not worried about metheny i am worried about the shoulder uh, if okay. the shoulder were not the case, he would be higher.
0: How how high? That, that was my question. If he
1: was coming in fully healthy?
0: Yeah. i say Mondesi, no, no issues, and and finished uh, brilliantly in
1: September. Then with, we're talking with, about a top 15 player, top yeah. 15 to 18 player for me. Yeah. Just yeah. so I mean,
0: transcendent. And like you said, not a Malik Smith type. He's giving you some punch. And at the top uh, of the lineup.
1: Grow. And that'll grow. That'll grow over time. Yeah, he gets bigger, He's very strong. young. He's oh very my. young. Yeah, he's he's an exciting player. I'm avoiding him in all redraft right now. Me too. Uh, at his price, he's going around 37, 38. I, I have just, to
0: see some. I, I got I to gotta know about the shoulder more.
1: Yeah, it's really going to be tough. And, and it, that's, I mean, talk about a valuable piece to have. It's sort of tricky now. In the past, you know, I always want to get, like, a top speed guy. Like, I'm always looking to get Trey Turner and this. Mm-hmm. But because shortstop's so deep, and outfield is so light. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh I'm I'm finding myself grabbing the best I mean finding finding myself grabbing the best player in the first round, okay? Yeah. Shortstop uh, is so filthy deep. It's like so it's deep. insane. It is. It's so deep. It's like, you know, it goes all the, it goes so so deep. So it's like, you know, you you can wait and Mondesi people are still grabbing him for the upside because you get Mondesi at a good at a great price. Let's say he falls to the fourth. You get him at the end of the fourth round, 48. I'd, I'd consider him in that spot just just for the opportunity. I think it was ridiculous. They brought him back at the end of the season. I own him in one dynasty league. I traded Chris Bryant for him um, right before the deadline, right before he got hurt and then when they brought him back in september i'm like what are you doing
0: like what are you well a, and there was like um no head first sliding or whatever if you're putting that kind of restriction on somebody who don't go play it, yeah it, you're the royals too it's not like you kind of needed him for any sort of playoff push so with mondesi yeah that that might have been a, a big error by them uh let's move on uh we are on a little bit of a time crunch so we want to get to as many players as possible I got to ask you about Shohei Otani because um, at the beginning, we talked about building foundation via hitters. He's obviously a hybrid player. Showed that he can hit, showed his amazing talent even this year as like a uh-huh. muted player. Like, you know, he couldn't really go full, full bore, and yet still went 18 and 12 with a 286 average and 848 OPS in just 425 plate appearances. However, Back to the mound a bit in in twenty or not a bit, but in, for plenty in twenty twenty, and you still have thirty fifth though. So how is how is the hybrid of Shohei Otani factor in your dynasty rankings when you're when you're trying to build via bats, or is he another guy whose name value is just so alluring yeah.
1: that you can't get him too low on your ranking? I just I I I, I just have a full on like I'm in love with Shohei Otani. Sorry, plane going overhead. Uh, I'm in love with Shohei Otani. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just love watching him hit. I love watching him pitch. I think he is uh, the most dynamic player in baseball, uh, just just with his dual ability. I, I'm also sort of building in the idea that eventually these sites are going to let him uh, get stats on both sides because yes. there's just, it. It's we've talked, I, I remember talking about this on your show, that it's just absurd that he can provide this much value you know, holding down one roster spot for the for the Anaheim Angels and getting you know stats on both sides. I also think, and I I, I could be wrong, but I have this idea that he could become an everyday DH and then become the closer for the Angels. I I, I don't disagree with you, and that would be so sick because I mean, then still you so put him in see with Otani. You put him in there at you know you you just say all right, we're giving up our DH in the ninth. Yep. because we're bringing our dh onto the field which is uh, you know not sorry i have a i have pl- nope, plane no plane overhead i got my dog downstairs who's going crazy good dog though um Sh- so char I,
0: likes to be featured in in the show too so don't, don't worry about <laughs> it we're very dog friendly here
1: cool yeah that's good i've got a good good golden doodle name uh big golden doodle named buddy he's a good dog oh, but he should stop we should stop doing it, but that's that's my feeling on Otani. I I also think you know last year I traded Otani with James to Derek Van Riper and we got back Scherzer and Aaron Hicks, um, which was some sort of indication of his value. And this was before, obviously before Scherzer. Yeah. That that's
0: such a that, I mean that's such a haul there for Otani um, to to get not only a, the premium ace but then also a nice bat and Hicks dealing with his own issues now with Tommy John. Uh, We'll see where he goes. I want to move on to the top prospect in your rankings Uh, comes in at uh, 27th and it's Wander Franco argue, you know, pretty well regarded as the number one overall prospect in baseball. You have him 27th. Is he a little bit lower because of how far away he is? He's 18. He's in high eight and he's on a team that, you know, will slow roast it. Like they, they just don't move aggressively with their prospects. Wander Franco at 27. Would you take him a little bit hot? Like what would convince you to take him maybe a little bit higher than that? Um, over say I don't know maybe as far as as early as like 19 to 22 is there anything that would make you want to take Wanda Franco even a bit earlier than you have him ranked or do you have him down here because you're worried about Tampa Bay maybe taking the the longest amount of time to get him up to the majors I'm
1: not worried about that Wanda Franco is one of the best prospects that baseball seen in just in so many years and from my perspective part of the reason he's down there is just out of respect to some of the guys who've done it before who are quite excellent. Uh, In this new, there's a new Prospect 365 draft where James, who was running that one alone, came in at 19 and grabbed Wander Franco at 19. And wow, he, he said come. to me, he was like, he was like, look, you, you've got him too low. And then, you know, when I do my rankings, there's a couple of guys that I reach out to, um, and sort of say, Hey, am I, uh, am I first, am I missing anybody here? Uh, two, is there anything that's ridiculous, crazy? And Wander Franco is one of those guys where it depends on your point of view, you know, from a, from a prospector point of view, he should be up in the top 20 easily and from a guy who's looking to win this year, it's like, why would he even be in your top fifty? So it's sure. you know, it's it's the back and forth of it, and that's sort of the fun. And you of kind
0: game. of come in the middle, then leaning closer toward the prospect team, but yeah, not because quite. that's where
1: I am. Okay, I'm I'm there. I mean, if if Wander Franco right now, you could you know you could get in the right mix. If Cushing has Jacob Degrom right now in Devil's Rejects, if he flipped Jacob Degrom and got Wander Franco, that'd be a win. To me in his situation, maybe, yeah,
0: especially as a rebuilding or or not necessarily as a new person who didn't have his full imprint on the team, because you could make a case that either within the same offseason or early into next year, he could then fit flip Franco for something more than DeGrom, like he could reasonably do that, depending on his own trading savvy. Absolutely, Uh, I agree with you. I do think that that would be an interesting move, and again. Some folks who don't play Dynasty are probably have their eyes bugged out. This is just the different landscape of Dynasty. And somebody like Wander Franco, the number one prospect in baseball by most accounts, um, is going to be heavy in the market. And you're going to have to draft him early if you want him and, uh, and pay a premium price if you want to go out and get him. I do want to move on to Gavin Lux at 37. Yeah. Now, I actually thought he might be a little bit higher. I'm pretty interested in Gavin Lux coming in.
1: You thought he'd be higher.
0: I thought he might be a little bit higher, uh, just because you're a prospect guy, mm-hmm. and and I thought he might leapfrog. Just a few of the guys that we we see here, nothing crazy. I don't think I could really get him up, you know, near, uh, you know, at Franco's level. But I'm really intrigued by Lux. 37 is still a very high ranking, and I am curious what you're really seeing for him. Again, I'm going to focus a little bit more short term because I'm a big redrafter. Obviously, the long-term aspect, he's only 22. He just put up that amazing season at age 21. So we know the long-term factor works well. But Lux is somebody who should be contributing to you this year as well. What can he do at age 22 in his first full season? Is he he this kind of dynamic guy who can be a Uh, 30-20? Where does his speed lie as well?
1: Yeah, I'm. you know, I mean, it, it, that, that's possible. The thing that was so striking to me about Gavin Lux was his ability to control the strike zone. His, you know, chase rate was second only to Alex Bregman, and he was doing that as a 21-year-old. It's insane. And- it's insane. So, you know, Lux is one of those guys who I'm actually uh, not keen to grab in redraft this year. He, because I think people are going to be super hot on him. And with the Dodgers, the thing you always have to keep in mind is there's just so many mouths to feed over there. You know, where's Max Muncy going to play? Where's Cody Bellinger going to play? Where's AJ Pollock going to play? Where's Jock Peterson going to? Well, I don't know. Even Jock Peterson, you know, where, where's Verdugo going to play? Where, where are they going to get enough at bats? And that's the one concern I have going into this next season otherwise gavin lux is a star and he's been he's showing it and proving it comes up and proves it again i mean See, that's just you know and, and, so- and
0: you don't have to worry about this short-term issue here in in dynasty you, you draft the asset and you figure that out and if it does look like he's getting squeezed a little bit on the playing time end um to where he's not quite a a just unmitigated full-timer and your team's competing you flip him in dynasty but in redraft You got to be careful because if you pay that premium, and his at bats are cut a bit, and and he's more of a
1: dead on right. You're dead right. Even if
0: it's 500 plate appearances, that extra 100 because he's being, you know, eyed as a 600 at bat guy Mm -hmm. who's supposed to come in and be the man. But man, I was impressed by Lux. I actually got to see him uh, at uh, at AAA here, Round Rock, Oklahoma City was in town, and even in a game where he didn't he didn't go yard or anything, but that bad of the game it could have been the coolest thing ever too uh we were we walked in we came in in right field and um we were a little we were running just a little bit late so the game was was kicking off right as we got there i said hang on let's stand right here this guy can hit a home run right to us he went to the warning track and the ball if he had gone (laughs) yard would have landed 10 feet in front of us and my girlfriend would have thought I was the coolest for for calling that because I was like, "Hang on, we got because our seats were on the other side." I was like, "Wait, wait, wait, this guy can go yard," and he rips one to the warning track, and I was like, "Oh, it's so close." <laughs> but he ended up getting a few knocks. He just, I mean, he looked like uh, it, he and Kyle Tucker were both in that game, and they had no business being in that game because it was an August Triple uh, A game where you're like, "These are two major leaguers." I was very impressed, uh, and so I want to use that actually as a springboard to get into Kyle Tucker. And and ask you how you feel about him. He's down at 97. And now that one I did think was low because he's only 22. The mouse defeat issue is is maybe a similar concern, although I do think that they're going to figure that out. Kyle Tucker has put up a 30-30 year this past season. He seems like somebody who who's very dynamic. You mentioned that outfield above shortstop. So even comparing him to Lux, I thought a 60-spot a difference was a bit interesting. Hmm. Why do it's you have a, Kyle Tucker down at
1: ninety-seven? I just don't like him. Oh, okay.
0: Well, give I mean, us an
1: insight into why. I just when I watch him, I I don't like it. I don't like his swing, uh, personally. I just okay. I just look at him and I go, yeah. I mean, I've never owned Kyle Tucker. I've never gone out of my way to own Kyle Tucker. He doesn't have the kind of engine that I like to see on a young player. Um, he's a little bit more like, uh, you know, a little David Dollish to me. Um, And really soured on doll, by the way. Yeah, no, no, that's that's very fair. And but maybe you may, you know, one of the one of the toughest parts about rankings, and I'm sure you go through this with your pitching is you get them out there and then you go, "Uh, that
0: might be all right.
1: Yes. Uh, Are you kidding me? I gotta swap that around until so, like
0: three minutes before I actually put it in the table maker, and you yeah. can't really switch it anymore. Until then, I'm making moves. Yeah. Absolutely,
1: it's and and so you know, and then with 400, you know, I got 400 guys. Yeah, but with what you're saying about Tucker, I, I may have to consider moving him up. I just don't. There's something about him. something about his swing. It's just a little long, and then he struggles in in the majors. Like he, you know, he can do it in AAA. I'm not suggesting that Tucker's not going to be anything because he wouldn't be in my top 100 if I did sure right? yeah, but yeah, yeah you I'm still not... have
0: him as a pretty that's still a pretty good ranking to be in the top 100 yeah dynasty but he's ranking.
1: not he's not as um I'm not as all in on him at least not yet but you know okay. that can shift that can shift but it's a fair oh. question for sure
0: yeah so I'll be interested to see where he goes in in redraft and dynasty coming into this year I want to ask you about one more guy. we will get in, and then we'll get into our mocks and then finish uh, on guardians Andrew Benintendi
1: yeah Talking about
0: somebody I've soured on you've got him down at 63 And even that felt a little high to me. I don't know what to make of him. I'm trying, Ian, not to overreact to one single season because this was a particularly bad year that he just had after laying a solid foundation the two years before. But what are we looking at here? 13-10. and Did he did he play injured through some stuff like because that's what that's what this the stat line from 2019 adds up to for Benintendi is that he played through nagging injuries. The one thing we always have to remember and I I say it on this show a million times because we cannot forget it just because a player's playing does not mean he's 100 percent. And of course, he only played 138 games. So there was some injury, but you feel like maybe Ben Tendi was playing hurt even in the midst of those 615 plate appearances.
1: Maybe. And there's another, there's another example of a guy that i just kind of wildly sway on coming into last year. I had him down in the thirties and people are like, how can you have him in the thirties? I'm like, I just don't think I, I'm not sure what he's going to bring. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know that he's going to be the speed guy and the power guy. And I think he, I was shocked that he hit 266, you know I mean? He's he's not even hitting for average. Average is supposed being, to be
0: his his lock. Yeah,
1: it's supposed to be three ten. I mean, you know, you're expecting three ten with twenty four home runs and sixteen to seventeen stolen bases. You know, like a a, a real kind of Lorenzo Kane style player. I'm not out on him, obviously, um, but I'm not grabbing him anywhere either. So again, there that might be another rank that you know you're picking out all the all the tough ones. The one I'm curious about is the one that I'm getting some uh, buddies of mine are like, "You're insane." Is Tim Anderson? I have Tim Anderson at 69. I just... Nice. I love this player in this format. In OBP, he's down 40 points, 30 sure. points. Sure. Yeah, but yeah. In you make, this you make format, the appropriate adjustment. I mean, I just think, to me, Tim Anderson is is undervalued.
0: Uh, so you have folks telling you that it's too high?
1: Way too high. Are you kidding? Really? What is, oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yes.
0: Did they... Not watching this. So Tim, Tim Anderson. I was not a believer. My my shortstop ranking. I should actually take down my 2019 rankings for being so prominent. Because right now, if you click on rankings, you go to short like our positional rankings box. My 2019 ones are still there. My shortstop ranking for him was so bad. He was a guy I was out on, and I thought th- this this year he's going to be exposed, and and we're going to see him. You know, he's not a 2020 guy. The only reason he wasn't a 2020 guy was he health. got hurt. He yeah. led
1: baseball and batting average at 335 that's what i'm talking about yeah like where, I, I what would, are we what are we what, like, are what what are we talking about i mean i get that the walk rate is ridiculous right he's got 15 sure. walks. With 109 strikeouts. I get all that. But in 500 at-bats, he also has 18 home runs, 17 stolen bases, and a 335 batting average. He's He has the pedigree of a top prospect. When he was coming up through the system, everyone was talking about him the whole time. For he sure, comes yeah. in, he struggles, he struggles, but he grows into the game and becomes what I think is... You know, I, I, I did the magazine mock draft last night and got scooped on Tim Anderson, which was a, a, a frustrating moment. But it was like, all right, well, then I guess I got to go get Med Rosario. But to me, Tim Anderson is is somebody who should be. I want, Let, you know, I let's want to
0: mention the three ninety nine Babbitt because people are screaming at their phones right now. We know that that won't hold, but you don't need him to be a three thirty five guy not to be. be valuable. <sighs> He seems like with the power that he showed again, the 18 homers is down from last year's or from 2018's 20, but it's in a hundred fewer player appearances. So the power was actually up a bit. Is he not a, a, I mean, he looks like he could be a 30, 25 or even a 30, 30 guy with even a 280 average for
1: Tim Anderson. He yeah. He running. really brought me he, around this he year. He stopped running after he got hurt. He didn't run as yes. much at the beginning of the season. I mean, there's one league I played in the, uh, the, Rotowire keeper league that he brought me to the front of the 17 team league, which I was able to hold on to. And it was because of uh, Tim Anderson was the guy I was just like, oh, do it again, do it again, do it again. Like my dog is barking. Just do it he again. Went, Nothing you can do it. 10
0: for 10 in April. And, and so then that tells you what happened with the stolen bases. Yep. Uh, that he only ended up with 17, and so he was he was seven for 12 the rest of the year. Now that's going to probably be a note for a lot of folks that say, I, I find that you know when when guys do something early in the season, uh, it is it is disregarded. I, I think you want to be careful to, to not do that. I think it's just an indication of what you said though, the health robbed obviously all of July pretty much. And maybe slowed him down completely. He had one, zero, one, and one stolen base in the last four months for Tim Anderson. That's health. With health, could he be, could it, could this be a 25 40 type of guy?
1: I mean, maybe I, that that may be a little bit more than than we could hope for, but he's definitely. I just think he's an incredibly dynamic player. And uh, my partner on under the radar, Nando Defino, um one of my partners with Derek van Riper. Uh, nando is 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 he's just such a huge tools guy. And I remember listening back to the CBS show back in like 2012 and listening to Nado talking about these power speed combo guys for him to then add in this average the way he has. Mm-hmm. It just I just I, I think it's coming together. He's 26 years old. He's about to be in his absolute prime. I, I just think he's an undervalued asset, which is why I was curious what you thought about that rank of having Tim Anderson at 69.
0: I, I actually didn't flinch in it, and again, this is coming in at to twenty nineteen as a Tim Anderson hater, um, and I've been I've been converted a bit because you know another thing that I like is that he scored the eighty one runs again in this shortened time frame. It was a career high, and I think this team's going to get better. I think they're going to be aggressive gonna again, better. and oh, they're yeah. going to look either in the trade market or nobody's mentioning Anthony Rendon for them who they could either then put Moncada at second or Rendon himself at second. They were high on trying to get Machado or Harper last year. They wanted to make a splash. Why wouldn't they try to make a splash uh-huh. this year when I think that they are even more? They should be even more inclined to say, hey, we do actually I'd, have
1: something here. I'd rather see them keep Moncada at third, get an ace pitcher, go get Steven Strauss, and then I wait for that. Madrigal because Madrigal's coming. And Madrigal is a really good young bat in that system. First-round pick, top pick. Uh, not top pick in the draft. I don't think he was top pick in the draft, but top three pick for the White Sox and is going to be a really good second baseman. So the only the only issue I have with that, I mean, Rendon is an addition to any team. There's no team that doesn't get better with adding Anthony Rendon. I just think to see Giolito, who I'm a believer in yes. and to if Lopez takes the next step, if you add, you're not going to get Garrett Cole, but you could get Steven Strasburg. Well, see, you, I I, mean, I don't.
0: I'm... Yes, they, and I think they should go for the ace. I agree. I think both those guys are going to be tough to sway from California. Yeah, and probably. I, I know that the money's going to play, right? We know that the dollar still speaks. CeCe was never going to play for New York, quote-unquote. They put up the money. Spent the bulk of his career there in New York, and that's where he made himself, uh you know, into a, a potential Hall
1: of Famer. Money, speech, sure fire. And, and
0: Chicago's not some podunk two-bit yep. town. And
1: you're right, and that's not something I was thinking about. To your point, the the fact is that last year they were looking to spend the money. This team's yeah. going to be good, you and know. So I mean-
0: like that for Anderson, by the way, and so that that was the one reason I wanted to bring that up because he again. Regress the average. I'm fine with that. 335 is not happening. He's not going to hit 335. Agreed. But give me 280, 275 even with the power speed here. And 100 runs, I think, is coming. That's the key point. And runs are always, always, always underestimated. So, no, I'm I'm with this Tim Anderson rank here. I like it. There's a few other prospects I did kind of want to talk about, but we are pressed for time here. So I want to dive into the PL mocks and give some time to talk about uh, the two podcasts that you do do with the Under the Radar and Guardians of the Republic. So let's get into the mocks quickly. First off, um, you're in one of the pitcherless mocks, as am I. Cool. Where are you guys in your league right we now? now? We are
1: now in the seventh round, so yeah, we're I like knew
0: we were lagging. We're in the fourth. What? Is yeah,
1: no no. we got we we actually got a late start because of me. <laughs> I was oh. out and about no no no, and I we got like a two hour, and everyone and then Nick's like, Does it, who has Ian's number? And it hasn't
0: Ian... hurt you though because no, we uh, again, it you guys are three rounds ahead of Nick's league.
1: Oh, are we really? All, but, right, yeah, mean, all right. He's, he's oh, in my yeah. league. He's in my league.
0: We're, we're, we're not even through the fourth round. We've got three more picks in the fourth. We need to pick up the pace. And we have a darn good group of folks here. I just think that we're, we're just a little bit behind on time here. Once we get going, get like a three, four-round day. Maybe not four-round. That's aggressive. But like a two to three-round day, we can kind of catch back up. So you're seven in. What pick yep. do you have? These are 12-team mocks. You can follow along on pitcherlist.com. Um And on Twitter and stuff, what pick did you get?
1: I got pick number
0: six. Okay, where <laughs> so, where do you want to be right now? In early, well, you know, in, do you want to be at the top or, or bottom or middle
1: for now? I mean, if if you can get it in the magazine mock I did last night for Peter Kreitzer's magazine that uh, Tim McLeod invited me in to do, I got the third pick, which is about as good as you can get because it, then it's you're the best I pick mean, I think. You know, yep. I mean, you're you're. I was like, Hey, look, I, I was like, I, I don't care. Like, I just don't you just care. Take whoever they leave you. Yep. Clay link went, Oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it, but a three trout fell to me a three. And so I was like, all right, well, there you go. Uh, but in the, it, so to me, three is the best spot to be in right now. I got mm-hmm. six and I was really like, you know, I didn't really want to take Trey Turner, which I I've been for the last couple of years, like really getting Trey Turner because I want that speed. I want that speed. But, um, Turner went four to Zimmerman,
0: Oh, um, you didn't even have a chance to get. No.
1: Him. And then Cody Bellinger went five. And so I yep. took bets at six.
0: So I took bets at four. Bellinger went five and Eno took Trey Turner. Once you said Turner, I thought you got him. And I was going to say he went six in both. So it was the same six, just a different mm-hmm. order. Same six, league.
1: slightly different four and six were swapped. I then like prayed and waited for Freddie Freeman to come back to me at um, 18 mm-hmm. or 19 and he did. And I got Freeman okay. at 19. And then I was like, and everyone's taking pictures and stuff. But to me, the pitching value is later. To me, the pitching value is later. I um, agree. I do like a foundational arm, though. Well, you, you, I'll let you be the judge if, if I found it. Um, So Freeman went. Uh, I got Freeman there. Then J.D. Martinez fell to me. And I was really deciding between I I was like, I want Harper and I never won Harper, but I do want Harper this year because I think Girardi is going to be a really good manager for him. And J.D. Martinez in that ballpark and another year of comfort. And he's got it. He'll have a chip on his shoulder because his team just won the World Series. So I I got I'm getting Harper in different spots. But J.D. Martinez felt to me. I'm like, how do I turn down J.D. Martinez staying in Boston? Yeah, you can't. And then here was where the tricky one. I did not understand the format like a dumbass. That's me, Ian Khan, dumbass, because <laughs> I was 23 players. I was like, all right, we're doing, you know, 14 and nine. And then Clay Link posted on Twitter about how there's only 10 position players and nine pitchers. And I yes. went, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. It's a head to it's a it's a head, 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 to head ten 10 and nine. So I didn't realize that till after I made my Charlie Blackman pick because I got Betts, Freeman, J.D. Martinez, and Charlie Blackman. And so your outfielder loaded,
0: but those outfielders are insane.
1: Right, exactly. And I'm gonna need to find some speed though because it's head to head. I might just punt that a little bit. Exactly. Um, and and I've got you know I've got the number four ranked outfielder or five fifth ranked outfielder ninth ranked outfielder and like the 11th ranked outfielder and the first ranked first baseman. So that's what my focus was. Second base, you know, I was worried about second base, but then realizing there's no middle infielders, just the second baseman. You only need, there's only like, you only need 12 and there's 12. There's guys that I like, even if we're going Gavin Lux or we're going, you know, towards the, you know, biggio even,
0: you know, that's a good point. And I didn't think about the middle part. Because I did jump, and I'll, I'll get to my team in a moment. I, I did jump on second base, but I think you'll, I think you'll like who I took. So, yeah. um, who uh, well, is your top arm then, and where did you get him?
1: Um, so, in the fifth, the middle of the fifth, I got Luis Castillo.
0: Oh yeah. I oh, know. I'm I'm here for that. I'm here for. Okay, that, so <laughs> you still you still got a premium guy
1: then. I absolutely, and you know I got. You're almost making four.
0: me regret what I did. Jeez.
1: And then I got Giolito in the next round.
0: Okay, come on! I got and then, Snell and Severino. I had to pay second and fourth round picks. So That's not fair. That, yeah, I and, up. Jul-
1: and then I'm coming around. There's one Bobby Sylvester picks, and then it's my pick, and I will be taking Tyler Glass now. I'm pretty sure. Oh man! So yeah, you, Glass now's still you did there.
0: Not, yeah, you, there's you, you Glass did great. now,
1: or Brandon Woodruff will be my next pick.
0: I, I love, I love both. Um, I've yeah. come around. Well, I I shouldn't say I love Glass now, but I've come around on him. I I dislike him. I understand wow. the the interest now, and I have seen the light. This well, I don't even say it like that. Like he was always this good. He improved, oh, and, and man, that's I what that. I, I needed to see it from glass. Now I wasn't She's betting on deal. the come the way other folks were. I wanted to see it. He showed it, so I'm oh, in on man. the glass. I think you did great with your pitching, though. Yeah, uh, you you quote unquote waited, but no, your pitching's great. Uh Like I said, we're only four rounds in. I have four pick. I went bets. Came back with Snell, wanted to get that foundational arm. Now wish I would have taken Rendon because he was still available. Came back in the third round, and I think I jumped him a little bit over his AP, but I took labor Torres. And maybe I, I was just that. influenced by October, but no, I think influence. he's nasty.
1: He's nasty, man. I am, I am I, you know, Torres was on my mind. If he was around in the fourth, because I knew I wanted the outfielder. I wanted the outfielder. I wanted the outfielder. I just wanted to, because I, again, I thought it was five outfielders. Especially when you thought it was five. Exactly. Yeah, I thought it was five outfielders. Now I have my three outfielders. There's still two utility guys. So it's fine. You know, I, and it, it's actually going to work out. Okay. Um, because I have real premium outfield. Premium first base and the pitching is still sticking around. So
0: yeah, it really is. You're you're setting your team up nicely. And and, and we'll have updates on uh, those drafts. Um Jeff Zimmerman's in yours, you said.
1: Yep. Uh, Jeff Zimmerman, some great Gianella, Brent Hershey, uh Bob Sylvester. I mean, just oh, that's, some some that's great... another shark tank right there. Geez. Well, I mean, you know, he kind of had his pick, right? I mean, Modica, yeah. Cross, Caps, uh, Chris, Welsh, uh, no, Chris Blessing, sorry, from Baseball HQ, Ben Palmer. Uh, Batflip, crazy. I don't even know. I don't know who that is.
0: That's, that's Toby. Um, his oh, name's Toby. And met him at, at the Arizona Fall League. Great guy. Great guy. So you're, you're not you're in a tough
1: league. Yeah, no, but well, you're in a tough league. I mean, who's in your league right there?
0: Well, yeah, it is. Um, Vlad Sedler, Nick Pollock, Scott Pianowski, uh, Chris <laughs> Towers, Eno, DVR, Craig Mish, yeah. Jeff Erickson, Steve Gardner, DJ Short, and Clay Link. So, very, yeah. very okay. crazy draft. So, there you go. I mean, I, I, mean, I think you're that... not finding rollover drafts in, in uh, industry leagues. That's the simple fact is, is is that you're not getting away with anything like that. So um, that, that's totally the case. But we got about five, six minutes left here. I do not want to go over your time limit. And I do yeah, want no, to talk sorry.
1: about I gotta, I, a thing I got to get to in the city, but it's all good. And there's no more fun time you can have than talking the game with you, man. I mean, this is it's great fun. I appreciate you being on. Let's close talking
0: quickly about the pods that you're on under the radar on the athletic is a must listen for me Uh, between that and rates and barrels and the almost daily all three of y'all's baseball pods over there have been great i love what you nando and dvr do first off it's the best voice podcast in the game (laughs) three amazing voices it's not fair you should spread those out too much voice talent over there you guys do a brilliant job on under the radar and then guardians of the republic Your fantastic political podcast. I think I surprised you a little bit letting you know offhand, kind of approaching you saying, Hey, been loving the pod, been listening to it first as soon as it drops. Uh, you and Patrick Murray do a great job. He runs Monmouth Polls, if I have that correct. Yeah, Monmouth Poll,
1: and he, which is an A-plus poll. I mean, it's one of the top five uh polls in the country. Um, that like understood, he's the head of it, so it's it's something that we do every week as we. Yeah, I do a little thing with George Washington cause it, because of my history of playing George Washington. So I do a little quote of way. Washington. Mm-hmm. Ah, ah, thanks. I, it's, it's always fun to, to figure out what the theme of the show is that week because there's mm-hmm. a lot going on and Washington has something to say about pretty much everything. Um, and then uh, we talk about polls and, and the importance of polls that week if Patrick has a poll or he breaks down another poll and getting it from a pollster's perspective is unique. Uh, we then talk about how the Republic is being challenged this week uh, which is a segment that sort of started i guess about 6 weeks ago we were like no, let's just talk about like how things are shifting like and whether we want them to shift then we do some hot takes which has a it's got a part in the interruption vibe for our friend Cornheiser like yep. uh, and did you catch that that we were I, I was like hey we need to do you know like the the bell for PTI it was it was
0: the front. absolute first thing i thought of when you started doing it and so you guys have 90 seconds and you keep to it too like every once in a while it goes like that one last sentence over but you keep it tight and i i like that because you guys have to fit in your opinions there and and, you know really trying to give both sides of everything right obviously politics are contentious right now and and yet there's still a a way to talk about politics without just diving into into that um this side sucks or this side sucks. No, I hopefully. think you guys do
1: an amazing job with it. I, I listen every week right when it comes out. Thank you. Listen, I will say that if, if you're interested in politics, but you're not exactly, it's like, Oh man, it's just so much to learn and listen to. It has hopefully the feel of a fantasy baseball podcast. It has mm-hmm. the same sort of irreverence and joy and friendship between Patrick and myself and people who listen to it. A lot of fantasy baseball guys, I've you know reached out and said, Hey, we give it a listen and they really enjoy it. You know? And they're like, Hey, I I know I now I go into every week understanding what's going on in the country that week, which is something that, you know, we're we're trying to bring to the table. And if you have a chance, please subscribe to our show over there. It's a it's a Guardians of the Republic on all of the podcast. Yeah,
0: just search Guardians of the Republic. You'll find it. And it is a great way. Like if you don't want to wade into the cesspool that Twitter can become and really get into it, but you want to be informed. You guys do a great job of covering the hot topics thank of you, the man. week and really giving some insight on them. So, Ian, I want to thank you so much for being on. We've been waiting to do this for a while. This was uh, as as I'd hoped, and Damn I really man, appreciate fun. you being on. And we made the time limit, so you're able to Beautiful. get to the city and get everything done. Have you on again in the off season? We'll bring Justin into the fold, and we'll
1: and we'll do a uh, we'll do a three three man pod next time out. How does that sounds? Sound? Great, sounds awesome. Always, anytime you guys need us need a cover, I am still at your disposal. Ian, thank you so much for being on. Uh have a good one. You too, bro.